The Productive Woman, Episode 175. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast dedicated to productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Thanks so much for joining me. In this episode, we'll be talking about a topic that was requested in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, which is delegation. You'll find more information and links in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 175. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks and by RxBar. Our longtime sponsor, FreshBooks, is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to the Productive Woman listeners. To claim it, you just go to freshbooks.com woman and enter the Productive Woman in the How Did You Hear About Us section. I'll share a little bit more about FreshBooks a little later on in the show. But right now, I'd like to welcome a new sponsor, RxBar, and they're offering you 25% off your first order if you visit rxbar.com productive. Now, Rx bars are protein bars made with 100% whole ingredients. I mean, the actual ingredients are listed in big print right on the bar wrapper, very specific, like, you know, three egg whites, two dates, and six almonds. There's no added sugar, no artificial colors. No artificial flavors, preservatives, or fillers, and they're gluten-free, soy-free, and dairy-free. And it turns out that real food ingredients actually taste really good. You can actually taste the cacao and the chocolate versions, the real fruit, the spices like sea salt. RX bars come in 11 delicious flavor varieties, so whether you like sweet or savory, chocolate or fruit flavors, there's an RX bar for you. I have to confess that I'm a little bit of a chocolateaholic, and so I thought I would favor the chocolate varieties of the RX bars, and I really do like the peanut butter chocolate and the chocolate sea salt bars. But so far, my favorite actually was the blueberry bar. And it's a kind of a chewy bar with a really tasty blueberry flavor and nice big chunks of almonds and cashews in it. Uh, I really like those, and I'll be buying more of them. RX bars are perfect for a lot of different occasions, especially when you're on the go. Um, you know, keep one in your purse for a healthy snack while you're traveling or out running errands, maybe in your gym bag for a post-workout snack, or um, in your bag for a plane trip. So lots of ways to use them. I do recommend them. They're tasty and nutritious and healthy. To get 25% off your first order, you just visit rxbar.com slash productive and enter productive in the promo code box at checkout. I hope you give them a shot because I think you're going to like them. So let's get right to the topic then of this week's episode. This, there was a question that was raised and discussed at some point in a post in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group. Amy asked me, Laura, have you done a podcast on delegating? I listened to your podcast recently where you said you were hiring a VA. I've been thinking about hiring one myself. However, I also just struggle with delegation in general. What can I give away? How do I oversee that quality without micromanaging? How to onboard that needed help? 
Um, any podcasts or thoughts from fellow productive women are much appreciated. Uh, and I thought, you know, I have not ever talked about it. And I'm going to confess, Amy, and <laughs> to, to Amy and to everybody else, it's because I don't know that I'm really great at it. Uh, but the topic was really relevant to me personally. It's something, honestly, that I've struggled with throughout my adult life. I've had a secretary at my law office uh, and legal assistants to work with. And now on the productive woman side, I have hired a part-time virtual assistant and I need to be able to delegate appropriately and it's hard for me. Um, and in fact, uh, Amy, you and I are not alone on this because as I did some research about this, uh, obviously it's not a topic that I can just talk about from the top of my head because I'm not an expert at it. It's something I am continuing to learn and grow in. Uh, so I did some research and one of the articles I read uh, called Seven Top Reasons to Delegate in Your Workplace says the inability to delegate is one of the biggest problems of managers at all levels. Um, nevertheless, delegation is one of the most powerful tools for a successful business leader. So, uh, you know, I thought that was a, a, a pretty important point to, to focus on, I guess. Um, in a lot of the literature, like that article I just quoted from, a lot of the stuff that I read and will cite to in this uh in this episode refers to delegation in the corporate context, but it's not just applicable to executives. I'll discuss in this episode a little bit about how we can apply it in our home life, like in raising our kids. Now, this discussion in this episode assumes you have someone to delegate to, and most of us actually do, at least to a degree, whether at work or at home. But there are other ways as well to gain time by getting help, and we will talk about those. We've talked about them sometimes in the past, in, in some past episodes, and I will be talking about it again in future episodes. But this time, we're going to be talking particularly about delegation. And so what is delegation? You know me, I'm a lawyer, I'm a writer, I'm a word person. I always start with looking at what, you know, what the words mean. And I think defining our terms is important. So I did some research about that. And the best definition or description of what delegation is that I found was in an article that I will link to in the show notes on why delegate and how to do it. And that article says, Delegation is the ongoing process by which a leader assigns additional tasks, i.e. responsibilities and authority to a subordinate in such a way that there is acceptance of responsibility for the assigned tasks. I thought that was really good. So it's uh, some interesting components in there. It's it, Delegation is the ongoing process. It's not a one and done. It's a process by which a leader... Okay. And we are all leaders in some area of our life. We may be leaders of our children. We may be leaders at work. We may be leaders in our church or in a, a volunteer capacity. Um, we, we all lead somebody. And if you don't think you do, maybe that's another episode that we'll talk about. But anyway, so delegation is the ongoing process by which a leader is assigning tasks to a subordinate in such a way that there is acceptance of responsibility for the assigned tasks. That same article goes on to point out what delegation is not. 
saying, and I'm quoting here, delegation is not the assignment of routine tasks to anyone who happens to be available. There is a need to assess strengths, weaknesses, and previous experience of all available personnel, and then match them with tasks that will utilize their strengths and and experience. That's a really important uh, concept to keep in mind as we talk about delegation. It's not just about offloading work to make your life easier, although it will. Another article that I read quoted Lisa Bing, who's the founder of the Bing Consulting Group in Brooklyn, New York. Um, she says, and I'm quoting again, it's not handing off your dirty work. It's empowering others to develop their skills, and it's a means of leveraging the talents of your team. You delegate well when you fully believe and recognize that the people around you add value to your work. And that article was quoting Lisa. The article was called The Art of Graceful Delegation, and it's from the Diversity Woman website. It was a really good article. And again, I'll have the links in the show notes for this episode so you can read that article for yourself. What I get out of these quotes and out of the research that I did in looking at what delegation is and isn't, uh, what I got out of it is that like everything else in life, it's important to be intentional and purposeful about how and when and to whom you delegate. Okay, so why does it matter? What purposes does delegation serve? Uh, Obviously, it's something on our minds because, um, you know, Amy raised that question in the Facebook community and several women commented on it and said, yeah, I need to, I want to learn more about that. There were a couple people that were really good at it and and offered some suggestions, but there were quite a number of us who who were saying, yeah, this is something I struggle with. I, and, and for various reasons, which we'll talk about in this episode. So what purposes does delegation serve? What are the benefits of it? Well, it benefits you both personally and professionally. Overall, it, it saves you time. So that's a big benefit. And that's valuable in the context of what we talk about on this podcast of being productive and getting things done and making a life that matters. Things that save you time generally are good things. Uh, Another thing delegation does is it lets you focus on the things only you can do, the core elements of your job, so to speak, whether it's your job at an office or a workplace or your job within a volunteer organization or your job as a a mom at home. Delegation benefits you by letting you focus on the things that only you can do. There are lots of things that go on in my house that anybody can do, but only I can be a wife to Mike, at least right now. (laughs) I'm the only one he's got. Uh, Only I can be a mom to my kids. Only I can record this podcast. You know, those, there are certain things that only I can do, but lots of other things uh, are outside that sort of core description of my job. And delegating those outside things to other people can let me focus my time, my energy, my attention on those things that only I can do. Uh, Delegation also helps you to develop important managerial and leadership skills. And this is true whether it's delegation in a professional context or in a personal context. Those are skills we need to learn to, to manage other people and to be a leader. 
uh, it also, that is delegation, also allows you to have a greater impact by multiplying your influence. There was a really good article in the Harvard Business Review that I read, and again, I will link to this, and I encourage you to check it out, particularly if you're looking at delegation within your professional context. There's a lot of good stuff in here. But one of the things that um, that it's, the article said, and this is a little bit longer quote, but it was just so good that I thought it was something that really caught my attention and made me think. And so I want to share the whole quote with you. And it says, while it may seem difficult, elevating your impact requires you to embrace an unavoidable leadership paradox. You need to be more essential and less involved. When you justify your hold on work, you're confusing being involved with being essential, but the two are not the same just as being busy and being productive are not necessarily equal. Your involvement is a mix of the opportunities, mandates, and choices you make regarding the work you do. How ancillary or essential you are to the success of that portfolio depends on how decisively and wisely you activate those around you. This means shaping the thoughts and ideas of others instead of dictating their plans having a sought-after perspective, but not being a required pass-through, and seeing your own priorities come to life through the inspired actions of others. I just thought that was a really profound and thought-provoking statement, that we increase our impact, we increase our value by multiplying ourselves through the work. Uh, I I love that, by uh, seeing our own priorities come to life through the inspired actions of others. Delegation is part of how we do that. Okay, so those are some of the benefits to you personally and professionally of delegating, but it's not just about making your life easier. It's as valuable to the people you delegate to and to the larger organization, whether that organization is a corporate one or at home. Delegation benefits others because it lets them contribute, and create, which creates a sense of value, satisfaction, and engagement. People who are contributing, who feel good about what they're contributing to the larger whole, are more engaged and more likely to pay more attention and grow from the experience. Delegation helps other people learn. It furthers their personal or, and or professional development, not only um, by uh, helping them learn new skills, by letting them take on new tasks, but also just creating a sense of empowerment to to do those tasks, to make decisions, to contribute in a good way to the organization. And delegation also builds trust and teamwork as you bring people into the fold, so to speak. And if we're following the guidelines we talked about a little earlier and that we'll dig into a little more in a minute, we're not just sloughing off the crappy stuff we don't want to do, but we're being thoughtful about what we're delegating and we're um, delegating worthwhile work to the right people. One article called Why Should Leaders Delegate says that delegation shows you trust your people. And when you trust others, they tend to trust you. I think that's true whether it's in an office somewhere or in in your church organization or at home, when you delegate, you are showing that person, I trust you to take on this task, which is important to the whole. And, and therefore they're more likely to trust you. 
So with all these benefits that delegation brings, why don't we do it? There are lots of reasons. I mean, I, you know, I thought about reasons why I, it's hard for me to do it. I looked at some of the things that the women in the community said in that Facebook post or in the comments on it about why they struggle with delegating. In my research, I found that it's, that's, we're not the only ones that feel that way again. So there are a lot of reasons. Uh, for women, a lot of times we hesitate to be seen as giving orders. Uh, sometimes we just have a hard time sort of telling other people what to do. And and that's a self-confidence thing, a mindset thing of, of not wanting to be seen as bossy or whatever. Uh, so that may be one reason we're not delegating. A lot of times we don't delegate because we believe it's quicker to do it ourselves we know how to do it. We know we'll do it right. And it's just quicker to do that than to bring somebody else in, teach them how to do it, and then supervise them doing it. And we think, well, I I don't have time to train somebody. I'm just going to do it myself. And I have been guilty of this, but I know, and all the research shows, this is a very short-sighted and ultimately a very unproductive approach. To, to have this in your mind that it's quicker to do it myself, I'm just going to do it instead of trying to train people. We suffer, uh, the people we could have delegated to suffer because they don't get the opportunity and the training and the organization as a whole, whether it's a business or family, suffers. Sometimes we don't delegate because we think asking for help is a sign of weakness. You know, when I first thought about this, I thought I tended to think this is more of a guy thing, but really for many women in business, uh, you know, professional women at various levels, sometimes we feel like um, we need to avoid being seen as weak or incapable. And the way to do that is to just power through no matter what, no, no matter how overloaded we are, no matter how, how overwhelmed we are, we just need to suck it up, you know, pull up our big girl panties, so to speak, and just do it. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I would tend to think sort of just, um, anecdotally that we're more likely to do that. If most of the people we work with are guys, I could be wrong about that. Tell me what you think uh, on that point. But again, we, we may not delegate because we think, well, we ought to be able to do it all. I'm tough. I can do it. And I don't want anybody to know if I can't. So we don't want to ask for help because we see that as a sign of weakness. Sometimes, a lot of times, I think we don't delegate because we somehow believe, whether consciously or not, that we are the only ones who care enough or are capable enough to do it right. And we can think about how whether that's true or not. Uh, but if in our organization, particularly if we're in a position of leadership, if we're the only ones who care enough or are capable enough to do it right, then honestly, I kind of think we're, we're falling down on the job of, of bringing the other people along, inspiring them to care enough and training them to be capable enough to do it right. One variation on this one that I think I'm, I have, I know I've been guilty of is I am kind of particular about how I like certain things done. And I just would feel kind of silly telling somebody else to do it the way I want it done. So I just would do it myself. I was guilty of that, you know, in the law office. Uh, now, as you know, I work from home. I still practice law, but I do it from home. And I, obviously I don't have a secretary here with me. But when I was in a law office and had a secretary right outside my door who could, 
you know, type probably faster than I can and lots of things she could do, but I liked my letters laid out a certain way and stuff. And so I found myself often tempted to just do it my way rather than go out there and say, I know you do letters this way for everybody else, but I want them done this way. Uh, I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but that's that, that was something that stood in the way of me delegating certain kind of secretarial tasks to my assistant. Sometimes we don't uh, delegate because we don't trust other people to not let us down and thereby put us in a bind or make us look bad. Um, you know, if the, the stakes are high on a project, we may feel like, you know what, I've got to do it all myself because I don't know if, if they, if they drop the ball, if they don't finish on time or they make a mistake, it's all going to reflect back on me and I could be in trouble over it. And I don't want to take that chance. Um, there was an excellent short article I read, um, called the messy delegation dilemma that I, I thought was really good. Again, I encourage you in this one, if delegation is an issue for you, I am not the expert on this, but I've consulted a lot of really great resources and I will be linking to all of those in the show notes. So do a little studying on your own and, and read some of these articles. This this article, The Messy Delegation Dilemma, addressed, addresses that concern about having to clean up a mess if the person you delegate to fails. And the article asks some important questions that we should ask ourselves when we're hesitating to delegate because of concerns about that person failing. And so one of the questions the article suggests is to ask yourself, am I more more concerned about how I will look or how the employee will look? In other words, am I afraid a little, a little bit of failure will make me look bad? If it's more about my image than about helping someone grow... I need to reevaluate my leadership priorities. You know, one of our primary responsibilities as a leader is to help the people we're leading grow. And so I thought that was a, a really thought-provoking question. Another one, a question that this article suggests we ask, our, ask ourselves in this um, context is, will what the employee gains in experience outweigh the consequence to the organization? Any miss or failure, and I'm quoting from the article, any miss or failure is likely to have some impact on the organization, but is it one that can be easily absorbed in order to help the employee learn from it? Will the short-term cost be worth the long-term gain? Count the cost and make the best decision for everyone involved. And finally, the, um, the article suggests we ask ourselves in this situation, will letting the ball drop allow this person to learn? Will it develop them further? Sometimes it will. Other times you can, and I'm quoting from the article again, some other times you can teach them just as well by explaining the potential pros and cons of an idea or action before it's taken. So those are some good things to consider uh, if if the reason we're hesitating to delegate is because of concerns that they will drop the ball and it will make us look bad. Another reason we don't delegate is is we like, whether consciously or not, we like being the indispensable one. Or we fear that if we let other people step up, we won't be as needed anymore. Our identity is in being the doer. Again, if you're in a leadership position, really need to think about whether that perspective is the right one for everybody concerned. 
I mean, basically, a lot of times we don't delegate because we don't want to lose control of the process or the situation or the outcome. And we feel like letting others get involved and take over some of the tasks, will we will lose control. The problem is there's a price to pay for hanging on to tasks, whatever the reason we do it. Uh, there's increased stress and the health consequences of that stress. There's lower quality work because we're doing too much and we don't have the adequate time to devote to each thing we're doing. We have less time to do the best, the things we're best at, and we have less engaged and poorly trained team members, whether it's people we work with that work with us or for us or our kids at home. All of these things I think apply just the same at home as they do uh, in the office. So there is that price to pay if we don't delegate. We can look at, and I encourage you to look at yourself if you hesitate to delegate, What, uh, which of those reasons might be why, or is there something else? I'd love to hear from you. You know, Send me an email or comment on uh, in the comment section for, of this episode, of, you know, what the reasons are why you struggle with delegating, and maybe we can brainstorm solutions to those. So knowing that whatever the reason we hesitate to delegate, um, there is that price to pay both for ourselves and for the others and for the organization as a whole, how can we improve? Uh, well, again, I'm, this is something I'm learning right along with you, but here are the things that came to mind. Uh, One of them is to practice it. Like everything else, the more you do it, the better you get at it. And like everything else, the best way to start is small steps. Choose uh, small things to delegate and increase the the scope and the uh, importance of the things you delegate as you gain confidence in yourself as a delegator and in the people that you're delegating to. Another way to improve is to watch those who are within our sphere, who, who we think do it well. So if there's a, a person that you work with or that, that you think does a really good job of delegating, watch how they do it and maybe, you know, take them out to lunch and talk, you know, pick their brain a little bit. If you um, feel like you don't do a very good job of delegating at home, but you know a mom that does, ask her what her secret is. Watch her talk to her, find out how, how she does it. And then the other thing we can do is study resources that offer tips and suggestions on how to delegate better. And I, as I've said, I have included a list of some of those resources in the show notes, just a few that I found as I was researching this. One of them that I thought was really good was actually, uh, actually came from a member of the Productive Woman community, Andrew uh, and forgive me, Anju, if I say your name incorrectly, Anju Diva Karan. She's the vice president at Blue Bowl Energy and a member of the community, as I said. And she actually wrote an article on LinkedIn entitled Delegation 101, in which she shares some great questions to ask yourself in evaluating what and when to delegate. So this could help you develop that skill. A, a really, really good article. And again, I will encourage you to check that out and I'll have the link in the show notes. And so she says, uh, there are some steps that you can take. Uh, and I'm going to quote from her article because it, she just said it well. First of all, make a list of all the tasks that are on your plate and the expected end result. Second, 
What are your expectations on how the task needs to be done? Does it need to be perfect versus adequate? Do you only care about the end result or are you very specific on the process to be followed? Then third, what is the cost of failure on these tasks? What will happen if, um, if it's not done correctly or if, you know, that ball gets dropped? The fourth question is, is there time to recover from a failure? And fifth, is the task critical to your job slash business and can materially impact your goals? Um, And so she goes in the article, goes into some uh, further explanation of each of these points on how to apply them and how to evaluate which of these tasks should I be delegating and who should I be delegating them to? Um, Real practical, helpful suggestions on learning to delegate by starting with non-mission critical tasks and expanding from there. Definitely, uh, as I said, encourage you to check out the article called Delegation 101, and you'll find the link in the show notes uh, for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 175. So, um, do check that out. To sort of wrap this up, I wanted to share a few guidelines for successful and productive delegation that I found as I was, you know, reading these various articles and things. Um, First of all, choose the right person. Match the tasks you need to delegate to the skills, abilities, and interests of the people you have available to you. Now, a caveat on that. Sometimes you can't know if a person is right until you give it a shot. So don't use uncertainty about who is exactly the right person as an excuse to just do it yourself. Don't let that hold you up. But think about skills, abilities, those sorts of things as you're considering who to delegate to. Uh, Number two, don't delegate tasks or projects that require your specific expertise. And, And no, that's not everything. Not everything requires your specific expertise. Not everything has to be done by you. Um, but, but, there are those things that must be done only by you and don't delegate those. Number three is sort of (laughs) colloquially put, don't delegate only the yucky stuff. Uh, And we talked about that a minute before. Uh, One writer says you delegate tasks when there are more important things that you personally need to attend to, not when you simply find a task unpleasant. Um, This writer says, my personal rule is never to delegate things that I wouldn't be willing to do myself if I could. And um, another writer in an article called The Importance of Delegation says, don't confuse delegating work with getting rid of the boring tasks you don't want to deal with. When delegating tasks, do so in a way that helps others learn and thrive. Give people tasks that align with their areas of expertise and interest. In addition to helping free up some time for you, your teammate will know you have put thought into delegating the task, especially to them, instead of just dumping it on whoever is around. So this goes back to what we were talking about before, that there are benefits uh, to delegating beyond just getting you more time. Uh, The fourth uh, guideline to consider is don't delegate something you can't clearly articulate. Spend the time to think through exactly what outcome you want. If you can't articulate it, then you really are going to have to do it yourself. Uh, But, but 
Take the time, learn to describe what it is you need, the outcome you want, think that through, know what it is so that you can articulate it. And then that takes us to number five, which is when you delegate, give clear instructions about the goal, the expected deliverable, the deadline, all those things. Um, Lisa Bing, who I um, talked about before, that's, that is uh, quoted in The Art of Graceful Delegation from the Diversity Woman website, Lisa says, and I'm quoting from the article, the first step to delegating gracefully is to get clear about what you want the outcome of the project to be. Next, identify the elements or features that need to happen in order to achieve outcomes. Also think about who around has the requisite skills, talents, and knowledge. And finally, outline the milestones or indicators that you'll use to track progress. Uh, Bing goes on to say in the article, no one of us, no matter how skilled and talented we are, can do it all. Nobody shows up fully loaded. If you are not delegating, you're not managing. And the cost to the manager personally, as well as to the business, are exponential. So, you know, this goes back to the reasons why we should delegate. Uh, So, okay, so choose the right person. Don't delegate things that require your specific expertise. Don't delegate only just because it's something you don't want to do. Uh, Don't delegate things you can't clearly articulate. Give clear instructions about the the goal, the deliverable, the deadline, etc. But then the next one is don't micromanage. Give the person you delegate to some ownership of that task or project. Um, In in their article, Leadership, The Importance of Knowing How to Delegate, Brett and Kate McKay say, say, give the person room to be able to successfully complete their assignment. And remember, while there's an agreed upon goal, they don't have to get there exactly how you would get there. Let them do things in their own way. And in that article, The Messy Delegation Dilemma, I thought this was really good. They said, leadership isn't about barking orders. It's about whispering possibilities. Um So make the desired outcome very clear, but give them room to achieve it their own way. And Anju in her LinkedIn article says, uh, I think this kind of sums it up, treat your subordinates like you want your boss to treat you. And finally, um, the final guideline or idea to think about is make time to follow up. Uh, One article talked about the process of observe, review, and coach. And this writer says, and quoting here, delegation is not the abandonment of tasks. As a leader, you are still ultimately responsible. Therefore, time should be set aside to observe and meet with the subordinate for follow through and review of the delegated areas. This follow through will give you the opportunity to coach the subordinate in his new assigned tasks. Time spent with your subordinate will also provide you with the information to decide whether to intervene or to allow him to fail and learn from his mistakes. So I thought that was a kind of a good summary of that, the, the process and the need for that follow-up. You don't just toss off the thing you don't want to do and then go on your merry way. Yes, that goes back to our question about, do I don't, or our, our objection that I don't have time for all that. But in the long run, you don't have time not to do those things. You don't, I don't, we don't. So briefly, how does this apply outside the work, uh, the workforce? You know, most of this we've talked about in, um, in a corporate context. Um, so how does it apply to raising our kids or in volunteer organizations or anything like that? The short answer is exactly the same. Everything that I've said 
in the workforce context applies in raising our kids and running a household. Training and delegating tasks to our kids help them develop life skills. It also gives them ownership of family matters, gets them more engaged and feeling more like a part of a team. And you can start young uh, having delegating small things to them and expanding as they get older. I mean, a p- preschooler can learn to be responsible for feeding the family pet, for example. Elementary age kids can pack lunches for themselves and their siblings. They can do parts of the laundry. Uh, you know, older elementary kids can even plan and prepare a simple meal each week. Uh, and they, those are things they need to learn how to do. High school kids can take on responsibility for some of the car maintenance, getting it washed regularly, gassing it up each week. My kids, when they were home and uh, as part of the trade-off, once they got their driver's license uh, for the privilege of driving one of the cars we owned, they would run errands for us. They would pick up groceries. They would chauffeur their siblings all giving us time, my husband and me, to do other things that we needed to be doing. And it helped them be part of the team, contribute back to the household, and develop a sense of responsibility. Similarly, you know, there are other things you can delegate to other people in your family, to your kids in particular. If you're planning a vacation, delegate to one of the kids the task of researching uh, potential activities at the location that you're going to or hotels, um, you know, different things like that. And of course, you can delegate things like cooking or laundry, parts of the housework, not just because you don't want to do that stuff, because you can also pay somebody to do those things. But your kids, by delegating these things to them and doing it in a thoughtful way, again, you're teaching them life skills they're going to need to have when they are out on their own and their future spouses will thank you. So those are some thoughts. There are other ways certainly to buy back time. Delegation might be seen as one kind of what some call outsourcing um, or getting things done by other people. We've talked about that at some uh, at various times in past episodes, and I plan to do an episode soon on that broader topic of outsourcing and, and getting help from other people, getting things done by other people. But in the meantime, I, I think it's, you know, great minds think alike, I guess, or maybe it's just because it's near the beginning of the year and people are thinking about these things. But after I had outlined this episode, but before I recorded it, I was driving, had to drive somewhere. And so I caught up on listening to Natalie Ekdahl's Biz Chicks podcast. I was three or four episodes behind. And I discovered that she just released two episodes um, just very recently on outsourcing. And so check out her episode 300 and 301 on the Biz Chicks podcast. I'll put a link in the show notes. You might get some great tips from there on ways you can get uh, things done by other people. And she deals with some of those mindset things as well. So that's a great resource to check out. Um, so, but what do you think? Do you struggle with delegating at work or, or at home? Or have you come up with some approaches that really work for you? I would love it if you would share your insights or your questions. You can do that in a number of ways. Uh, you can do it in the comments section of the show notes at theproductivewoman.com slash 175 or you can always post a comment or question on the Productive Woman's Facebook page. Or if you are in the uh, Productive Woman Community Facebook group, that's a great place to have these, these uh, conversations. 
As always, if you want to share your thoughts with me privately, you can email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com, and I would love to hear from you. Uh, If you would do me a favor, uh, as we're starting out this year, I really do want to expand the community and get more, more people involved in this conversation. So tell a friend about this episode if you thought it was worth listening to or, you know, any episode that you've particularly liked. Uh, the best way for people to find podcasts is through the recommendation of someone they know and trust. And so tell your friend, show them how to subscribe, show them where the, the podcast app is on their phone if they don't know. You can also share episodes using the social sharing buttons uh, right there on the show notes page up at the top. There's buttons to share on your Facebook page or on Twitter or anywhere. And I also, you know, I love it when folks leave a review of the show in iTunes. It's, I read those, I learn from those, I appreciate hearing from them. And I want to say a special thank you to a couple people who've left reviews lately. Uh, Jade JB93 from the UK Uh, left a review (laughs) titled Feeling Inspired and says, this is the first podcast I've listened to and I'm so happy to have chosen this particular one. It was very informative, easy to follow and inspiring. So um, thank you, JJB93 from the UK. I'm so glad you found us. Um, You know, join us in the, if you're a woman who listens to this show, you are welcome in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group and I would, or shoot me an email. I'd love to connect with you. Also, a very nice review from Redshift8 from the United States, who says, I'm very grateful for Laura and the Productive Woman podcast. I'm currently on episode 108 and determined to get to the current episode. The podcasts are very useful to me. Laura truly provides the encouragement in managing life, stress, and stuff. I modified and adopted her closing remarks into a personal mantra. I am creating a life that matters and extending myself grace in the process. I love that. What a great mantra. Uh, Redshift 8 goes on to say, I look up to Laura as a role model. I value the practical tips that she and her guests provide. Listening to the Productive Woman podcast has been part of my daily routine. I listen during my commute on weekdays or while doing chores on holidays and weekends. Laura, thank you very much for investing time, energy, and resources in creating the Productive Woman podcast. Well, thank you, Redshift 8, for listening. It, uh, it's an honor to me that to know that you and that anybody listens to me as I talk into the microphone. And uh, thank you for taking the time to share those encouraging words. Uh, let's see. Don't forget to check out, uh, I want to say a few words about, I guess about fresh books, uh, before I leave our sponsor, fresh books. They've been with us for a while and that's the, the online accounting software that you can use for your small business. I use it myself or have been for over a year. They're offering you as a productive woman listener, that free 30 day all access trial. So you can put it through its paces and find out how easy it is to use and how much it can help you. You can do that just by going to freshbooks.com slash woman. Um, 
the all new FreshBooks is not only easy to use, but it's got all these powerful features that let you manage your business efficiently and effectively, taking care of the money piece of it so you can get back to doing the stuff that you love. You can set up and send those customized professional looking invoices in seconds, even from your phone. Accept online payment from your customers so that you, you, the invoice shows up in their inbox, they click a button in it, can pay you right there online. Uh, so you get paid more quickly and more, you know, more timely. Uh, you can track the delivery and payment of those invoices. There's this, uh, the great informative dashboard that shows you exactly what, how your business is doing and what's changed since the last time you were there. It's just a great tool for managing your business finances. And I can't recommend it highly enough. As I've said, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to Productive Woman listeners. And to claim it, you just go to freshbooks.com woman and enter the Productive Woman in the How Did You Hear About Us section. And don't forget to check out our new sponsor, RX Bar, and its offer of 25% off your first order. Just go to rxbar.com productive and enter productive in the promo code space at checkout. And thank you so much to RX Bar and to FreshBooks for supporting The Productive Woman. And that, my friends, is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. As always, thank you so much for spending this time with me. I do really hope that you found something in it that's helpful. I look forward to hearing your thoughts on this topic. Um, Do share those with me. And I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. The Productive Woman is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.